This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. This is truly a black history moment in the history of this program for today's subject is the legendary African-American journalist Ida B. Wells. And the person in our studio who is talking about Miss Wells is a relative one of the few living relatives left who has written a play. It's called The Lady's Car. And in the studio to tell us about the stage play, The Lady's Car, is Tiana Farrell. And I'm gonna let her tell you the story that she tells, but it is a delight to have her here because The Lady's Car will debut a little later this month on February 24th in town. You can be in the theater to see it. And Tiana Farrell, thanks for coming in. First and foremost, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the first thing folks were wondering is that Ida B. Wells, Ida B. Wells, remind me who Ida B. Wells was. I know who she was because I was the president of the National Association of Black Journalists and she is legend in our circles, but I mean, she's family to you. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Ida B. Wells is credited with founding the the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, as well as being a legendary investigative journalist and reporter. But she's um, unsung when it comes to her spat with the Chesapeake, Ohio Railroad, which takes us to the play that I wrote entitled The Lady's Car. Okay. So 70 years before Rosa Parks gave up her seat on a bus, Ida B. Wells gave up her seat on a train. She was riding on on a lady's car, which is a first-class coach, going to work. Now, the lady's car was for white patrons only, unless you were on the car with your missus, if you were, you know, the nurse for them. But a black woman could not ride unescorted. So Ida purchased a first-class ticket to the car. She was able to purchase the ticket, but they denied her the right to sit there. So they forced her off of the train. She sued the railroad company. What year was this again? This was in 1884. She sued the railroad company in a time when, remember, blacks had no rights. A lot of us did not have any education. And and not just blacks, women as well. She sued the railroad company and won $500, Hmm. which I believe is an incredible story. It's one of the unsung things about her. And I wanted to bring that to the forefront because this is something that a lot of people don't know about Ida B. Wells. Tell us some of the more common stories that people know about Ida B. Wells, Ida Barnett Wells. Common stories. Well, first, she was the one of the first women ever to marry and not give up her maiden name. Absolutely. That's that's one of the big ones. Well, as we still call her Ida B. Wells, you know, Barnett, she did not give up her name because she worked so long. She married later in life, um, which was unheard of as well. She was definitely ahead of her time. Again, she was one of the founders of the NAACP. So um, Ida does have a lot um, of well-known stories, but I just definitely wanted to shed light on the lady's car. So she won $500 in the judgment. This is the 1880s, and she found a lawyer to represent her, and she was able to to sue the railroad company? Yes um, and no. So her first attorney, Thomas Castle, um, was a colored lawyer. He was bought off by the railroad eventually. Of course, in that time, he was afraid for his life, so he, you know, kind of just um, followed suit. So when he denied her the right to file suit, she went and found a white attorney. Um, 
And he brought the suit and won, you know, and this was Judge Greer. It was a judge that she was able to get off of the bench to represent her. That's just how bad Ida B. Wells was. She would not give up. So tell us a little about so tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you became a playwright in this respect. I have been a writer um, for most of my life. I started out um, as a journalist, trying to channel Ida, kind of think it's in my DNA. I've been writing screenplays, things of that nature, and one day I decided I wanted to challenge myself and write a play. Started taking some courses at MIT, and then when it came to what was I going to write about, I just kind of felt Ida on my shoulder. And um, I knew that I could not do her entire life justice in a 90-minute stage play, so I decided to narrow it down, and that's how I came to the story of the ladies' car. And how are you related to Ida B. Wells? Ida's youngest daughter, Alfreda Barnett, is my grandmother's mother. Tell me about the stories you were told about Ida B. Wells as a little girl. I was told that I was related to this woman who was fearless in her pursuit for equality, for all humanity. And when I was younger, I could not appreciate who this woman was. To me, you know, as a child, she was just a dead relative that everybody spoke of. But it wasn't until I was a teenager and I read her autobiography that I fell in love with her the same way that everybody else did. And then I became excited. I, came in, I became inspired. And I knew that I was not born into this family by chance. And I had to do something to promote and preserve her legacy because the world needs to know this incredible woman. You know, not just a black history maker, but she's an American hero. Indeed she is. So tell me about this stage play, 90 Minutes, uh, February 24th. Tell me about the cast. Where are you going to be? We are going to be at the Henry County Performing Arts Center in McDonough. It is a beautiful venue. Um, We have a phenomenal cast. Cindy Davis is playing the role of the iconic Miss Ida B. Wells. I know she's going to make my grandmother proud. I hope Ida's going to smile down on us. Um, She just blew everybody away in the audition. She blows us away every day in rehearsal. Her best friend, Cora, is going to be played by Ariel Ford. Now, Cora is a fictional character. She's one of the few fictional characters in the stage play. I kind of felt like um, Ida needed a a BFF, and she sort of represents her subconscious, the one that kind of tells you, not today, don't fight today, just just give in, just be calm. Kind of shows you what Ida deals with, you know, in her inner self. But Ariel Ford brings a comedic element to the stage play, so it just won't be so heavy. The cast is great. We have a cast of 10 people. We have Julian Clark, who's going to play Judge Greer. He's a phenomenal actor. We're just we're just excited to bring this story to Henry County. So you wrote it. Are you directing it? Did you find a director? Um, and, and how have the rehearsals been going? Yes, I am directing this. Um, not by choice, by circumstance. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to work it out. Um Rehearsals are going great. I said every day I'm watching this. So it almost seems like a movie that I've never seen before. And it definitely is. The cast just, they they excite me. They inspire me. Because it's one thing to see the words on the page and, and to see it play out in my head. But to see these actors bring the story to life in, in front of me, it, it's just phenomenal. It's a blessing. And I'm I'm just as excited as everybody else. To see opening night. 
So certainly the significance is not lost on you here in the the wake of the Me Too movement of women standing up for themselves with respect to sexual harassment in the workplace today, for you to have Ida B. Wells as a relative who more than 100 years ago was strong enough to stand up for herself simply because she bought a ticket on a train and the people wouldn't let her sit in her seat. It definitely translates today. It's another reason I wanted to bring the story to the forefront because I know that young women should be inspired by this, where um, one person can make a difference. Not saying it's going to be easy, but we should always stand up for yourself and, and speak out in the moments that you can. Very important. What are you expecting audiences to take away from this play? Empowerment. Unity. I want them to be inspired, to be encouraged that they too can make a change. Things do not have to stay the way that they are. Um, If you see something, say something. You know, you are the captain of your ship. People can only do to you what you allow them to do. That's right. You know, somewhere in the heavens, she's really proud of you, don't you? I hope. I hope. Some days I feel like she is, and other days I I just hope that she is. You know, I, I really do. I wake up. I speak to her. I wait for her to speak to me. And sometimes I really feel like she does, um, which is why I've made certain career choices in order to promote and preserve her legacy. I just really hope that I'm making her proud at the end of the day. Because in 0.47 seconds, a Google search of Ida B. Wells returns more than 5 million hits. So it's got to be an awesome responsibility for you to know that you are one of her descendants. Definitely. And because of her descendants is why we know who Ida B. Wells is today. She was left out of the history books until her, until her daughter, her youngest daughter, Alfreda Duster, published her autobiography. And Alfreda Duster is my grandmother's mother. So Ida's youngest daughter was the one who put this into motion to get her mom into the history books. So now it's all of our responsibility as descendants to keep her there. So the play again is the last, excuse me, not the last. So the play again is The Lady's Car, opening night, February 24th, a great Black History Month opportunity for you and your family to come out and see you folks. Where about again in Henry County? At the Henry County, excuse me, at the Henry County Performing Arts Center, 37 Lemon Street in McDonough, Georgia. Ticket prices, where can we get tickets? Tickets, um, tianaferrell.com. Ticket prices start at $25. Oh, see, you can afford that. That's That's a great night. $25. And how long is the show going to run? The show is one night only right now, so you guys have to come out February 24th. Indeed we will. The Ladies' Car, stage play written by Tiana Farrell, highlighting Ida B. Wells, the legendary African-American journalist Ida B. Wells. One story, her victory against the Chesapeake, Ohio, and Southwestern Railroad Company, a black woman standing up for herself, victorious in 1884. And you said that's how we're going to walk away from after the show Saturday night, right? Absolutely. Walking out standing proud and tall. All right, Tiana Farrell, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Ida B. Wells knew how to stand up, how to fight, and how to win. One fight today that needs a win desperately is the fight against hunger and food insecurity in this community. Coming up on Sunday, 
the 25th of this month, Sunday, February 25th, at Georgia State Stadium. You may remember it when it was called Turner Field. The Atlanta Community Food Bank will stage its largest event of the year, the Hunger Walk Run. And here to tell us a little bit more about that is their chief development officer, Sarah Fonder Christie. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. So we've got the big walk coming up in about a week. Is the registration still open? Of course. You can register at www.hungerwalkrun.org. You can sign up as an individual, as a family, or with friends and co-workers. Give us some background on the event. I know this isn't the first time the Atlanta Community Food Bank has done this. Sure. this The Hunger Walk Run has been happening since the late 80s, and it's a 5K walk and run. It's very family-friendly. What's a little bit different is it's on a Sunday afternoon. So the park opens at noon, and the walk and run is at 2 p.m., So people bring strollers and friends, and they walk through downtown raising funds and awareness for the issue of hunger. This is a pretty successful event for the food bank, isn't it? It's so critical that people come out and walk and run with us. We hope to raise a million dollars to help fight hunger here locally. And those dollars would stay here in this community? Yes. For every dollar that's donated, the Atlanta Community Food Bank can distribute four meals to families in need. So when you walk and run with us at hungerwalkrun.org, you're going to make sure that we're helping to feed the families who don't have enough food on their table. Now, I made mention of the fact that there are families in our community who experience food emergencies every day, but mm-hmm. you really have the, the, the statistics on that and can let us know mm-hmm. how significant an issue this is in our community. I think what's hard for people to understand about hunger is it's closer than you think, that there's neighbors who might not have food all throughout the month, that they have it for most of the month, but one or two times out of the month they can't put it together enough food. And so they're going out to food pantries or to community kitchens and getting some staples that they can bring back to their house. Right now, one in four kids live in homes that don't always have enough food you believe that one in four kids that's like 25 percent that's a that's too high and there's 850,000 Georgians who again struggle at some point each year and having enough food to put on their table but the good news is is that people can help that by donating to the Atlanta Community Food Bank you help us distribute more than 70 million meals out into the community. Now, there are people who are listening who perhaps have heard of the Atlanta Community Food mm-hmm. Bank, but might not have a really good understanding of the work that you do. Can you help us out with that? Sure. The Atlanta Community Food Bank collects food from manufacturers, retailers, wholesalers, growers, and of course, community food drives. We take that food and then we warehouse it and distribute it out to more than 600 nonprofit feeding organizations in 29 counties in Metro Atlanta and North Georgia. So when you think of an after-school program or a senior citizen center, anyone that's helping folks that are low income can access through food through the food bank and then distribute it to the people that they're working with. And the people who go to these local organizations, mm-hmm. I think I I think at my church, they organize the food on Monday mornings. Mm -hmm. The people who come to places like that, they don't have to pay for the food that they get, do they? Exactly right. So when you are going to seek food assistance, we want to make sure that the folks who are receiving it um, don't have any extra hurdles to jump through. So they get that food. They usually get enough food for a few days worth of food for their families. 
Now, an event as big as this, I'm sure you guys can't do it all alone. I bet you've got some great corporate partners who come in and help make stuff this happen. Exactly. The Hunger Walk Run is made possible with amazing partners. We have Arby's and the Cisco family of Buckhead Meat, Cisco, and Fresh Point, who are our title sponsors. And our presenting sponsors are hometown favorites, the Arthur M. Blank Family Foundation, the Coca-Cola Company, Cox Enterprises, Delta, and Needworks. How many folks are you expecting to turn out on the 25th? We're hoping that 15,000 people come together at Hunger Walk Run on Sunday, March 25th, to come out and have a great experience. All ages, all abilities, lots of folks are going to be walking and running. What I love about the walk is it's such a great cross-section of our community and really shows the power of a caring community to affect change. What happens if we have weather? Because We've had somewhat of a wonky winter this year. <laughs> well, we're positive because of the great faith groups that are going to be representative that maybe we have an inside track to great weather. So we're going to expect a sunny, beautiful day. Um, but hunger walk happens rain or shine because hunger doesn't take a holiday. And we need people to come out to hungerwalkrun.org and make sure that we have a great day. What does it cost to participate? So it's $25 for walkers and $35 for runners. And with that, you get a great T-shirt. And that's if you register ahead of time at hungerwalkrun.org. Otherwise, if you come out the day of, it'll be $30 for walkers and $40 for runners. And all of that helps to, as you said, every dollar that you guys are able to raise helps to feed how many people? For every dollar that's donated to the Atlanta Community Food Bank, we can distribute four meals to families in need. So if you think about it, your $25 registration is going to translate into 100 meals going out into the community. Now, is the food bank the only beneficiary of the run walk? Great question. There are five other beneficiaries um, who also are making sure that there's a lot of hunger relief going on throughout our region. Ending hunger is a lofty goal and something that the Atlanta Community Food Bank has worked on for, for decades now. How close are we to making that a reality? You know, right now we're providing a little more than 60 percent of the missing meals that are needed in our community. And what we try to imagine is what would it be like if the children in our community grow up with all of the food that they need? And we know that Students who come to class ready to learn with full bellies um, have less behavioral issues and are ready to take those tools that our great educators are giving them and are going to be more successful. So by supporting the Atlanta Community Food Bank today, we feel like we're helping a generation to come. And it's not as if when you think of people who experience food insecurity, as mm -hmm. I believe it's, it's act actually called, yeah. But when it comes to food insecurity, hunger doesn't know race or mm -hmm. income level with the changes that have with the changes mm -hmm. that we've experienced in the economy. Right. Sixty percent of the people who are seeking food assistance have a full time job. Really? In the home. And what that means is they're making um, maybe they're not working full hours or maybe they're working 30 hours or someone in their household has had a chronic illness um, you know, so many people right now in Metro Atlanta don't have enough in the bank to survive a $400 expense. So I know that our listeners know people and might be those people where you're just living on the edge. And what we want is more caring community to make sure that all people in Georgia can thrive. What's the best thing about the day? What I love about Hunger Walk Run is the energy of the event. 
you have 15,000 people coming together for a common cause. And there's so much good enthusiasm. There's great music. So you're walking through a neighborhood next to folks you don't know, but all moving in the same direction, knowing that you're making a difference, knowing that you're helping Atlanta be stronger. And it's a family-friendly event? It's so friendly. I have been taking my kids since they were in strollers. And so we have lots of strollers. We have teenagers. We have runners. We have walkers. We have folks who just like to stay in the park and celebrate and wait for people when they come back. (laughs) Um, So really, it's the widest community event that I can think of. It makes you proud to be an Atlantan. Outstanding. And so reset for everybody one more time. It's the 34th annual Hunger Walk Run, again, uniting our city to end hunger, put on by the Atlanta Community Food Bank. And it's where and when and how much does it cost to participate? So we're going to see you at Georgia State Stadium on Sunday, February 25th. You're going to register ahead of time at hungerwalkrun.org for $25 to walk, $35 to run, or you can register a day of. We'd love to see you there. Sarah Fonder Christie, we thank you so much for coming in. Good luck with the event. I know it's going to be a huge success. Thanks so much. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.